That's right, folks. Did You Like It is back. We're doing this episode on the movie Contact from 1997, starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. Um, Before we get into the podcast, a little bit of self-promotion. My band, uh, Oatmeal Pizza, will be playing a plethora of Nirvana songs um, two weeks from Saturday, October 8th at Howling Mutt Brewery in Denton. So that's October 8th, Saturday, Howling Mutt Brewery in Denton. We'll be playing from 7 to 10 p.m. So there'll be a ton of ton of material and we will be exhausted. So without further ado, here's the podcast. For a second there, we kind of disappeared. Had a kid and took off a year. Now we're both back together to break it all down. Any movie, film, a series around. Supposed to do this like Dragon Brag. I don't even know what that means anymore. Come on, you listen to Dragon Brag. You were a big Game of Thrones head, you know, back when everyone was watching Game of Thrones and the thing that started the whole Blowout Podcast Network. The I've w- never seen an episode or heard an episode. So the thing that partnered up with TC and Jake of Vince just banter to say, "Hey, look, we could make a big thing that allows lots of other people to have podcasts and has a big audience." That's why we're here. That's why we're here, and you're telling me. <laughs> You haven't even listened to. Do you think they've listened to an episode of our podcast? Yeah, the the two the two that we have. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they listen no all the time. No way, absolutely not. They're too busy watching Game of Thrones. I heard that thing <laughs> takes hours to watch. <laughs> I can't do the time investment. I can't. Game of Thrones seems like something that would be so up your alley, but you're just not doing it because TC doesn't want no, you. No, it's not even that. Like I don't think it would be up my alley. Like I don't know. <sighs> I saw like one scene where they're like raping a dude tied up. I ain't into that. You talking about Outlander? No. I've seen one or two episodes of that. And of course I watched it with my mom because, you know, she all thought like, oh, this would be a nice little show. And like the third episode in, this lady's like getting eaten out and like fucked every day. She's like, again? They're having sex again? <laughs> I'm just like, they ain't got nothing else to do. They ain't got TV. Why, why is it offending your mom's sensibility so because bad? Because she just think like, I think that's her thing is that she doesn't want women to feel like that's all that they are. And like in this show, it's very clearly all that this lady has on her mind in the first couple episodes. She's like, if I, s- if I got zapped to a, to a different time away from my milk toast British husband and <laughs> post World War One England back to the time where like there's stallion. a redheaded stud who thinks I'm the most powerful witch ever made and all he wants to do is have sex with me. I, I, I would just be ignoring that. I would be trying to get home to my husband. Exactly. Back in- I have a family to uphold, a name to uphold. I can't just be spreading my legs for God and everyone. He's probably so worried. 
no, dude, he's probably fucking some other lady because you ain't putting out at home. Because, like, <laughs> you didn't even know that was an option until this other guy, whatever, what is it, broadened your horizons. I, will, I only watched horizons. the first season of that show. I watched it, Nikki and I watched it together, and then Nikki's watched all the rest of it since. There's more than one season? Oh, yeah, it's like six or seven seasons now. I'm always really, like, worried where, like, I'm getting... um like, as far as, like, you being like, oh, this is a show you'd like. It's really big on Intorid, like, plus-size clothing. But, like, we have the Outlander series. I'm like, I don't want to dress like I'm from Scotland. Like, a fucking <laughs> Doctor Who coat. It's Doctor Who, Harry Potter, Outlander. And I'm like, we ain't got no Simpson shit? Jesus, I just want to wear a Bart Simpson t-shirt with Cowbunga on it. And they're just like, you could wear the same scarf that, you know, Hufflepuff wears. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm 37. Seven years old. I need something. I need something like Bart Simpson. You know, like yeah. that's. They don't. It's that's always where I. I'm like, okay. A, I don't vintage, need to be watching that. A vintage Taz airbrush it's, shirt. Hell from, yeah, dude. From Six Flags. Hell yeah. And I mean, what's funny is that back in the day, like for plus size clothing, they didn't have anything. So you would just buy like the Walmart. 3XL or something and it was always fucking Tweety Bird and you mm -hmm. felt like an old lady because it was always a grandma wearing it but now everyone's wearing Tweety Bird and thinks that Sylvester's cute and Marvin the Martian I'm like god damn I should have kept some of those so I mean you were probably real little but there was like the big Looney Tunes craze of the early 90s where it all came back in vogue and you had like uh, uh, you <clears throat> you know, because Warner Brothers had their network finally, so you had the reinvention of like, Tiny Toons and all that. But then, because of the cross-pollination with Six Flags, the guy, it was fucking huge there for a while again. Yeah, I was big into Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. Yeah. I had a little Dot doll. That was my, just just loved Animaniacs. Didn't understand it. I, I go back and watch some it's, episodes now. Have you? It's it's all, everything is just geared towards the jokes for whoever the parents were at the time. Like even, but I don't I don't imagine my parents being like, Well, that's hilarious. Right. And it's it's it was for like kind of lefty progressive parents. Which I would kind of ca categorize my parents, but I think my parents were also ten years older than all like ten years older than TC's parents and have around the same age kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So like they were not they were not getting down on that. My dad thought my dad thought Bart Simpson was disrespectful. Oh yeah, I, I was like, never allowed to watch The Simpsons at home. I only I only got to, or Beavis and Butthead or any of that. I only yeah, watched I mean, it over Simpsons, my friends. I, mean, I just didn't think Simpsons was that bad. And I mean, I watch it now, and it's like I guess. But like, if you're talking to your kid about like what's if, if socially we said, acceptable, if we said crap in our house, it was like a. Uh, corporal punishment offense oh God. <laughs> so no. and like if you back talk that was like eat way worse so like oh i was always back i was eat, so, eat my shorts so there was one thing of just like saying a curse word but then if like it was if you didn't even have to say a curse word but if you were disrespecting your parents by talking back or any of that not stuff, honoring thy father really and mother bad. yeah so you're um, singing garth brooks all the way <laughs> yeah i actually said all the dams <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but here we are talking about contact <laughs> surprisingly not the movie that i kept telling you about i've told you about for 10 years about the aliens snapping their legs back yeah, I you're still thinking don't of even the know charlie sheen uh, first contact see it, it, we can't think of any other fucking names well it's also like that was kind of a b movie like that wasn't oh, okay well it, it wasn't like like this 
this contact was like a summer blockbuster that had been in the works for a long time type of movie. Um, whereas like that, I don't know, it was more of a lower budget type of Charlie Sheen type thing. I'm sure he loves to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing lines. But that movie is them. cool because that one is more based on like the, the wow signal than like this contact movie is. Uh, but, uh, that one's also ha- not very related in any kind of scientific rev- relevance, whereas this one is. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> it's like that one's really not real. I got a lot of. I got some. I got some things I want to discuss about it. I will ask because, like you said, you wanted to do this movie, so I'm assuming that you liked it. But I'll ask you if you liked it. Yes, I. I, I liked it. <laughs> I. I still liked it. I still cried in all the same parts oh god i didn't i've never seen it i thought that i had seen it but like i said i was getting the, i think i've seen the charlie sheen one and been like why does josh want to do this fucking movie like- <laughs> so, so then you must have thought it was weird when i said yeah you should just buy it i think izzy would like it it's pg she could watch <laughs> it with you maybe it'll be your new favorite movie uh, yeah i don't know i like i also have a hard time imagining especially and i don't want to jump too far ahead but like where there's a group of field trip field trip kids and someone's like isn't it so cool that there's so much stuff out there and this would be a pretty big waste of space if there's not something out there right kids (laughs) and like that those kids would be like yeah like I don't know if it's because I'm living in 2022 right now where like we have a lot more access to things and like we've never had anything like this happen like that Mm -hmm. would give us some hope of like that there might be life outside of us and like so I don't know, like maybe I was, I just was not into that as a kid. I didn't care about the stars. I didn't care about, I mean, you know, I cared about fucking Bart Simpson. So like, I wasn't like, like you fucking nerds looking at the moon and the Cassiopeia. So you never, so back when I could see this guy, um, God, we'll like bring it down, <laughs> bring it on down. Um, yeah, the, I, I remember I'm, it was like, eight years old maybe nine years old um like one night it was a moonless a moonless summer night oh lord <laughs> crickets were chirping but cicadas. It, it wasn't gonna be a thunder rolls it was uh it was clear and uh our street light we lived on a cul-de-sac and our street light was out and so it was like pitch black outside all around and i was just laying on the hood of our car and oh, i classic, that's like dude. one of the times i was like holy shit where i've I remember that first like really tingly feeling all over your body where you're like, I am so massively tiny and insignificant. Like the first time where that ever happened. And I remember seeing, you could see like the, the collection of the band of the Milky Way going across the sky. You could see like little satellites tracing, tracing their orbits. If you paid attention long enough. It was it was nuts, and I was yeah. I've I've never, never even you. give it a thought. I'm numero uno, baby. Like I don't. I'm not thinking. I think about myself all the time. No, like I said, I don't. And maybe that's like a. I now whenever we go to the lake or something, I notice a lot more stars when we're out there. Like I don't know if I've just lived in a place where like the stars were not that clear and like. I mean, I was playing outside, but not, like, looking up at the stars. Like, I definitely had the twister, like, wanted to do, like, weather storm chasing or something like mm-hmm. that. But never in a capacity of, like, wow, what what is all of that? Like, I just, you know, I know you're Mr. Science Boy. So, like, I haven't been into astrology, like, 
I got really into like witchcraft. I was about as far as like going the mo- outside the of most the- science you got yeah. into. I bought um, Wiccan for Dummies yeah. at Book People in Austin. You did a little little alchemy. Little, I tried, dude. Little mix. These potions some didn't potions. fucking work. Just gave me <laughs> gave me warts. No, I just I like. But I do think that's cool. I think that it's something that Izzy would think is cool. It's really hard because now I hate that, like, I don't hate it, but, like, I watch anything that has a little girl that some has, like, some characteristics of her light hair, light skin, and I'm like, wow, that's Izzy. <laughs> um, but, like, I watched it, and I could totally see her being the type that's like, oh, look at the telescope, and, like, look at all these stars. Like, she just has this, like, fascination for certain things that I could see her really getting into it. And then, like, just imagining, like that like once again i see it as like i think oh the dad's tc and so i'm just like i'm dead okay um and just her being like dad you think we could ever talk to mom in hell uh like because you don't know that she died during childbirth so like you're just thinking damn she take off like forrest gump's dad um and then like it just i don't know like i said i don't want to like spread too much because like I'm always focused in on on the storylines like that like okay so what did happen and then in the Mm. end they kind of try it they like the scientist tries to tie it back like ever since you were a baby you had uh proficiency in in science and yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and i'm like so now we're tracking these kids like <laughs> we didn't have like i you know that's where i get a little bit uh, i don't know if the, like if if he was just saying like after the fact he then researched her or if he was yeah, saying yeah, he had yeah. been tracking her since no, no, she no, was no, a newborn no. and i'm like okay no he I mean, he knew of her from uh, the stuff that she had done at Caltech. Right. They, they, like, gloss over this real fast in the movie. In the book, like, there's a whole chapter that's just dedicated on what Ellie does at Caltech and how she figures out how to um, calibrate uh, and grow certain types of rubies that can make laser beams much more high-focused, and that, like, gives a new level of efficiency uh, to a lot of research that hadn't been done before. So she's kind of got a name for herself in the scientific community and uh, as being one of the, before she goes to Caltech, she also goes to like Oxford for a while and she's like the only female in the science program and like she, uh, the book is a big detailing of like how she is having to deal with in like the 80s and early 90s like all of the misogyny in science and go through it from like high school through all of her academic process and into like her early professional career. It's like how everyone is just like, Oh yeah, but you got a fucking vagina. So shut up. (laughs) You couldn't possibly know. Now I do think it's interesting. Like the, the radio thing I could, like I said, Izzy was seeing like she'd be into that, like being able to talk to someone somewhere else. And so that kind of starts it. But to know that her dad dies within a year of like her kind of finding Pensacola. And like, to me, like maybe that's where I'm like a weak, a weak, uh, lead character. Cause I would not want to touch the walkie talkie again. I may never put this headset on again, you know, like <laughs> I just, I think that just, I'd be like, it reminds me of my dad too yeah, much. Locked, like locked away. Well, and, um, you know, she was like, I, I think that in in her, in her sort of exposition that she talks about later when she's explaining her dad to Matthew McConaughey, she addresses that when she's saying that, like, th- part of her journey 
in pursuing the academic field she has is pursuing truth. And that is one of the things that her dad did to her. And so part of that is keeping him alive for her. That's like part of a way of still keeping him close and not, you know, letting go of him is doing all of this stuff. Yeah. And I think there's something really kind of deep, like deep and sad about an eight year old who has like desperate, um, desperate attempts and desperate wants to contact with other people, like other than her, you know, s- sad bastard dad. Like she, you know what I mean? Like she's, he's helping her with it, but it's like, because, you know, she doesn't have her mom there. Like obviously but like, she built a radio. She just tested out how far I mean, it can go. But that's what I'm saying is like, I think that that drive is if she had had like a fully fulfilled, you know what I mean? Like there's reasons why like certain characters are created mm-hmm. that way. If her mom was there and her mom was like trying to get her into fucking dolls, like, I, you know, I don't yeah, want to yeah. like, I don't want to like materialize it to be like women are always like play with your makeup. And it's an interesting choice that they made for this movie for the mom to be dead. Um, be- I think partially it was because if in the book, she she's not dead. It's just the dad that dies. She's just a drunk. Then no, no, she's like, but, um, the guy that she remarries that becomes her stepdad is a devout Christian and tries to get her to go to church. And the mom's like, you know, can you make the family happy and just go to church for, for me? You don't have to do it for your stepdad. Just do you it for me. You don't have to pray. And then that's when she goes to church and is like, you know, God, the creation bunch, story bunch is kind of weird. Shit. It doesn't make sense. Like you don't, you already have light, but then you don't make the sun until like six days later. So how does that work? <laughs> and like See, they said they, they, then the 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 teachers at the Sunday school being like, why don't she doesn't really need to be in the class? Uh, yeah, we we've been getting a lot of complaints. <laughs> Some people have been talking. Um, no, but I think like but not having her mom there and then having her dad die for me. Logistically, I'm thinking, where's she going to live? Was she going to get to keep her radio in her foster home or wherever? Right, she right, right. Like, I'm thinking like she goes back into the, into her house and is like and TC asked me, he's like, what's your favorite line of the movie? And I was like. I should have kept the medicine in the downstairs bathroom. That's yeah. that's my favorite line is because it's so like, it's not really, but it's just like, it was one that I kind of thought, damn, uh, because the preacher, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't want to go against religion and like, you know, all of our listeners that are religious, I, yeah. I respect you. I do think that it's very, um, I think you and I talk about this all the time that it's just like, it's something that people who are religious, it helps soothe them. And I think if I had gone through a big tragedy like that, you know, I've had a, one of my best friends pass away, but it's not like I'm, I'm sitting there being like, God, why, why? And yeah. it's just like, sometimes we have to just think maybe this happened for a reason. And I think that that's so hurtful to somebody who's going through grief to just try and brush it off as like, yeah, it's this bigger thing. It's this bigger plan that we don't know about. Yeah. And like, just if totally you're feeling not bad, that. you're kind of giving the middle finger to God because look, he's got a whole plan for this. So you kind of should be, like Happy how right dare now? you like your dad was supposed grief? to what fucking fuck spill all problems? the popcorn yeah. like all that fucking Orville Redenbacher that went to waste because the man upstairs said so but like that's kind of I love I I don't love but like I I appreciate the fact that even after she hears that and she's a little kid like you can tell that like her maturity level is so much so that like I wish I would have had the medicine closer she's like because my, I my evaluation is a pragmatic evaluation. Right. It would have been real, that this is a real evaluation on rational thought. Like this would have been a difference. I also don't like. 
I'm very confused on stuff that's not like injectable whenever there's like a, a disease where someone's like, I need my pills. And they're just like fucking dry chewing their pills. And then all of a sudden they're like their uh, heart condition is better. Like it's already cured. It's like mm-hmm. pills take a long time to absorb in the body. So like the five seconds you went <laughs> like, that's what I'm starting to think. Right. Like you're missed science here. If it would have been, you know, five seconds closer, you still had to come down the stairs. But like, I don't know. That's that's where that I get. I get a little too into it where I'm like thinking, okay, he's just supposed to die. Like it's, it's just part of the story. Like it's not something we're going to hold on to. I mean, she does kind of hold on to it as she grows up. But like, like I said, I I feel like that that's a part of the story of like, well, who did raise her Mm -hmm. and like who continues to push her. And like, I could see grandparent comes in and is like, don't be playing with that radio. Like that's, once again thinking that that's going to remind you of your dad. You're going to just stay in your, your uh, basement all fucking your whole life and you're never going to make anything of yourself like that's it could have taken another uh turn but I think I really just appreciated the fact that like even as an eight or nine year old like she was just calling bullshit on the pastor and just being like no um this is not something that like I'm going to accept was like out of my control like I have control over everything like it's it's my life and that's where it then I think gives her the opportunity to say like well, maybe it's not God, but maybe there is something else at play, like that's that's working behind the scenes. And I don't think it's like the alien, like people from what is it? Not Luna, Vega. Vega. The Vegans. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, they're saying vegan wrong. Fucking when they first said it, I was like, oh god, they they were doing vegans back then. Huh? Yeah, that that's how we know they're highly advanced. Yeah, well, so they kind of, I mean, I appreciate that they flash forward and we didn't have to, like, see her getting fucking bullied on the playground with black eye and, like, you know, with her radio clutched in her hands. Yeah, and they, and they do the the quick catch-up for the, kind of when she meets with Jeff Bezos on the plane the first time. <laughs> that is <laughs> I, it's 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 really cool that, like, like, Sagan has this idea for this movie in the late 70s, and he starts to write a script, and, um... A uh, couple or a movie house buys a script. I forget who it was. It was Warner Brothers, I can't, or maybe MGM. I forget who buys it. But then they don't really do anything with it. They don't develop it. So he's like, "Well, I'm just going to write a novel. I'm just going to turn it into a book." So he writes the novel in 1985, and like he had the idea of the super tech billionaire that was going to be like more powerful than government. Mm-hmm he was already thinking about that 30 years before it was actually a thing. Right. You know, before John McAfee. Actually. And and that's why it's like, this isn't like a big science fiction movie. Like the movie aspect of building a machine where you get plans from, and from like space. also that you build it so quickly yeah, those, and that you built kind of two. Like. But the, uh, all the, the science of the like radio telescopes and the communication capabilities and all of that is totally practical, real, like real like stuff. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's just the thing that I find super endearing about it is like Carl was just a guy who knew or who had a very solid foresight because he had a very good grasp of like what the American capitalist idealism, where it was leading even like, you know, in the 60s and 70s and was still like, he wasn't a cynical asshole about it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so whenever, uh, forgive me because I'm going to forget all the different locations she goes, but when she meets, is it Palmer or Joss? 
Matthew McConaughey's yeah, character. Yeah. When she meets him, where is she? She's in Puerto Rico okay. at the RCBO. I was like, Costa Rica? I don't know. So RIP RCBO, that got damaged a uh, few few hurricanes ago so it doesn't work or operate anymore that whole giant radio telescope is done so so when she meets him is he like that's when he starts doing the you know i was a man of the cloth but i couldn't take the whole celibacy thing like you know he's like i love god but i still love fucking so well and uh, it's i think it's also a very cool dynamic because ellie in the book and in in the movie like they show how Either because she's so analytically minded and is has gone grown up in a field of just men who are also either very like way into their books and not necessarily chasing skirts or whatever. So all the time in like her whole like sexual sexual history in like the book, she's always like the aggressor. And it's kind of a big part of the thing where it's like this is kind of the way that she develops this relationship with intimacy is like she's got to go seek it out as kind of like the pursuer and then like none of the guys can meet her on the intellectual level and so she's just like oh well fuck it waste of time and then bails (laughs) yeah and like i guess i don't in this i don't know like i said if i'm doing too much of like trying to be realistic like this is a movie about like going to another planet and the the relationship between her and and him like i feel like happens really quickly and like for them to build this attachment that like if you were to see him four years later you'd be like oh it's just my one night stand like not like i really care about her well i I think it's i think it's mcconaughey who's smitten i think at the beginning like especially after he does the whole uh the whole tells her his whole god experience that he has on his whatever ayahuasca journey god experience which like how how come all Matthew McConaughey characters like you see like a little bit that has become like who he is now yeah, like as a, a real method person thing because he's like I was I was trying to do this for a show and I actually I did get to meet God <laughs> like when I was working with Jodie Foster um, yeah. and now that, that's that really changed my whole philosophy on religion and so now I've just kept that with me that movie but I, I also did. believe in God yeah I'm a man of the cloth but not but also not cloth. at all because I did True Detective. Oh, yeah, exactly. Dude, it's all over the place. Um, but, like, I think, so one thing I was going to ask, and as I wrote this, like, it, I love when I write it down and then later on it'll come back. And I'm like, oh, I got my answer. So my big thing was, like, Kent Clark, um, I was like, is he autistic? Why, why do you say is he autistic? Because, like, he's not making eye contact. He seems very, like, um like emotionless or like that like not uh reading social cues but then later he has a cane like he's blind yeah are you talking about the blind guy that's yeah. what i was about to ask but he doesn't have the cane in the first fucking hour he's of got the, the movie. no he does he's got the dog with him and then he, you don't see it but he's like has it with him well there's one point in the very end of the movie where he's got the cane right there and i'm like oh, okay but i looked it up and people were saying like oh he's autistic no 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 he's well, just i'm just saying he's that he's just like, blind <laughs> Can we get some People sunglasses? I couldn't figure it out. It's it's like well, seeing like, you. I know uh, that yeah. you don't do that. Right. Like, no, that's the thing is like they, they portrayed a blind person like in an accurate way in the movie where it's like he's not like wearing a shirt that says he's blind and like he'll actually like kind of turn and like be able to like kind of fake like he's well, having a co- face-to-face conversation he can like. tell people that are in the room but isn't you didn't get the joke that he could only he would smell the people in the room by their cologne 
and he was joking like, oh, he's like, I didn't tag that guy for a Tommy Hilfiger guy. Oh no! He, that's that was his running gag through the whole movie was like he could tell who was in the room. See, by him that's something it. that that was just for you, dude. They did that just for you. You're like I do that all the time. <laughs> Megan's always smelling like patchouli. I can tell when she's in the room. Yeah, like, but that's I mean, then that kind of just was like leading me through like what's going on with this guy? What's his what's his no? Deal? That's why that he's really into radio uh, telescopes because he's listening for the patterns of the noise he's got the extra hearing that you weren't because he's not focusing he's not focusing on the on the visual signal Mm -hmm. so one thing that i like i i laugh whenever i watch these movies and like what when is this 96 97 97 okay so i laugh whenever i hear something that seems more true today than it was back then and like palmer just being like you know society is surfing the net you know we're more lonely than ever (laughs) yeah and then i'm like even at this time i'm like were we just like asking jeeves like will you be my friend like we weren't doing a lot on the fucking internet but maybe as a kid i wasn't like you know i just had my juno email account and was catfishing dudes like i don't fucking know no that it was uh it was a it was a big deal. I mean, I remember it being a big deal even at that time. Um, like, people were upset that kids would spend like an hour playing a role playing game on a bulletin board. And before that, people were upset that kids were spending too much time playing Dungeons and Dragons and other stuff like that. Like, it was just a continuation of the same sort of. Uh, society cultural boogeymen that have been going yeah, on Yeah, and it's just something that drives me like i posted something the other day because it was pissing me off when some you know people i won't say who but like will just say like you know if izzy izzy is like she plays with my switch she's she wants to play she's i want to play the mario kart i don't know why she talks like tc's grandma but she says mario mm-hmm. um but like doesn't know what she's doing but she can like click to select her character, to mm-hmm. select her car. And then, like, once it gets to the track, she's like, sometimes we'll go. Um, but, like, she enjoys it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that uh, any of our parents could do that. Like, right, no. And so that there, I think, is, I don't want to say a gift, but, like, she's, no, her brain is constantly designed, learning. They're designed for, to be intuitive. And if you are at the stage where your brain is just, like, molding those new pathways i'm sure it's much more easy to pick up on it because of the way they're designed. well and just people's mentality of like you know we were playing with mud pies back yeah like you fucking ate dirt when you're a little kid way mm-hmm. to fucking go like you don't know how to you don't know how to convert a pdf or fucking use an excel formula like that's not that's not something to write home about like i get the i get the benefits of both and like saying going and looking at the stars and like that's not something that i did but i was on the computer and i was on video games um and so, like, I think you can always get back there. Like, I think that I could now, like, having watched this movie or having seen something, be like, oh, wow, I do want to look at the stars. Um, so it's not like them doing it now is cutting them off from ever having an interest in it or ever no. having an interest. Like, there's some kids that play video games and then they're just like, you know what? I don't like video games anymore. I want to go outside. Like, but I think making it seem like there's something wrong with people who have a select interest and, like, have, like, a lot of devotion to it how is that any different than you sitting here telling me you like used to play for six hours on the monkey we used to come home when the street lights came on yeah we were out all day oh sorry that's, <laughs> that's <giving it> <laughs> damn yeah. okay next one um but <laughs> no, yeah uh, carl carl sagan brings that up in his other book demon haunted world um but he talks about this how like 
you know, you have the same cultural boogeymen that appear, you know, every generation. And he goes back and he traces a lot of them. And so this is like his fictional adaptation of what he knew, like this would be the next thing that everyone freaks out about type of this is what all the the congressional hearings are going to be about is this crap because it's it just keeps happening and the like the point of demon haunted world is to like take that step back and become aware of the the pattern of of this social behavior so you don't just be reactionary to all that and you you know take a more uh into or more initiative and more uh intentionality and in, and in how you approach those types of things which is kind of i think a big point of this movie you have these foils like matthew mcconaughey versus jodie foster's characters they're not they are opposite sides of a uh, of a scale and the there's like a centrist interpretation of this movie that tries to thread through that says look this gives room for all possibilities of like religion and science and everything to exist in some sort of harmony um but then they give you that little thing at the end that makes you be like, yeah, but if everyone knew there was 18 hours of static footage on her helmet cam, then no one would be having this debate. <laughs> well, that's what pissed me off, too, is I'm like, we didn't get this confidential report until after we had this fucking hearing. Which just shows you exactly, look, the, read how, the riot act. exactly how it w- would happen. It is kind of weird thinking about like just their fucking DOS computers having a webcam. Yeah, and yeah. And just be, like clear as day picture and like no, uh, no lag in the... Like we can't get FaceTime sometimes to work here in 2022. Well, like, now now we're trying to do it all, you know, wirelessly. Like back then, I guess. it was <laughs> like, was like <laughs> this is very odd. And Angela Bassett just being a person that's like, you know, uh, really gonna gonna tell Jodie Foster uh, what's up whenever they're talking about like separating the project. Uh, the one thing that I hate is like, or I I love hate. I love whenever they have the ability to put in a real life president. Like I wonder, but I also wonder like the implications. Is it that they would have to ask Bill Clinton? They sent him the script to confirm it because like (laughs) they were writing it and Bill Clinton was in office when they had sent one of the first probes to Mars and they had, or we had gotten evidence back from another rock that had crashed in the Antarctic and compared it to stuff that we had from Mars and said, wow, we found an, we know for a fact that this rock that hit earth originated from there. And so Bill Clinton may had a whole press conference about it mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff where it sounds like he's saying, you know, we're going right. to really yeah, you know, listen to what the, it's yeah. going to have to say. You know, we're going to be real cautious with that's all just, this. That's ex- it's just that press conference. And so when they were watching it, they were like, Oh my God, we just have to just tape this press conference and put it in the movie. And it's almost like Tom Skerritt wrote, in the background. <laughs> Like, I done love when and have, done. When we don't have, even have to worry about this anymore. They have Clinton there, and it's like you can tell. Obviously, Tom Skerritt's like color colorization is not like matched up to his. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of moving and smiling. It's like okay, this is very Forrest Gump. Like you know, shaking the president's hand after yeah, the Dr. I mean, Pepper. You know, it's like the same time period, same you know type. Right. Of that's when they were like, we're gonna do this thing where it looks like they're there. Um, but like in total, like to no one's surprise, Tom Skerritt, who's like big on. Um, 
dissing Jodie Foster's like credibility and work whenever it starts to like get to where he could have some notoriety you know it's like okay she's about to go on and then all of a sudden like they wouldn't tell her she wasn't gonna be presenting she had her fucking papers all out and like yeah, yeah. he just well, kind of fucking walks she just, up she just planned it she she's the type of person who's just like naturally I'm the leader I'm just I was the leader of the team so I, I'm gonna be giving it so she just was ready to go <laughs> and just her face and like I love that fucking Jeff Bezos face. is like Jeff Bezos has that in like on the big screen yeah. being like and you lost your chance here. like and like the one thing you wouldn't want to remember he's like why don't you just put my dad with the fucking popcorn on the TV that'd be more pleasurable right, than like right, what right. just happened to me recently and if like at that uh, character is so much more despicable in the book too because he's like one of her professors that she works with for many years coming up as a student and like she has lots of comments in the book about how they work together and how he's always condescending and she's like yeah but he's all he's like equally condescending to both the males and the females so i kind of feel like I, at least i'm getting that kind of a fair shake yeah but he's then a dick she, to everyone but then when they start working one-on-one together she's there's like lots of commentary of I knew at some point he was going to make a pass at me. The only matter was not if, but when type of, you know, thing that was going on too. And, and he had taken credit for another one of her projects that she had done in college in the book too. So when he comes back in the scene, she's like, Oh fuck. She's all, she already knows like, this is bad news guy coming back in, but he's so like powerful and establishment that no one's going to do anything about it. So do you think Jodie Foster's hot? Uh, I find her attractive. Okay. I just feel like she looks the same in every fucking movie. Like, I feel like she's stuck in the 90s. Like, I felt like whenever she went to the black tie event, she's like, I gotta get me a really good dress. And she shows up looking like Annabelle from Maverick, where her hair's all fucking <laughs> tightly it's the curled. the first time she wore a dress in her life. I know, but, like, just the, like, the look, I was like, did they just take this from the Maverick set and they're like um, I was really big into Maverick even yeah. though it's like five hours long um, but like that's what I remember her from the most and I remember like in this movie I was kind of like she definitely has like the the whole grungy jeans and like the the denim denim shirt or whatever flannel shirt she's going to be wearing to like make herself not be worried about that but like uh, Palmer's still going to think that she's undeniably attractive and try to like leave her number and um, you know show up at a hearing that mm-hmm. you know behind her back while she's talking and just like like I said this whole thing and, and I wonder whenever I was talking to TC about it his perception of their relationship is totally different than mine and I think it's because you know we're man and woman and mm-hmm. like I think that Palmer Joss is an asshole yeah I think that he's a piece of shit and like he's just like what he's you know he's just like doing he's the like, one who's he's the one who's simping over her from the beginning exactly like, she and, bails on him and then she's not even like do I take his no- just leave your number yeah I'd leave like, your number and then she decides I'll be the one who decides right, and she decides to leave it and then she sees them again and then it's like this whole big thing of like it just is so clear that he's he doesn't want her to go on this mission because he wants to keep her there for his own um, his own wants and needs, you know, because he's is, all about fucking. Which is like the most abusive thing to that, mo- like the most abuser line ever. Like, I only had to be a total asshole and humiliate and hurt you in, in the most public forum of your life because I love you so much. Exactly. Why can't you <laughs> just see? Can't you see that I just love you more than everyone else and that's why I, I abuse you? Th- that's why. But, and like to me, <laughs> if, if, if Ellie is not saying, like, give me a reason not to go. 
Give me a reason to stay. That's something where like she's giving you, she's saying that like I would stay if you told me to. Yeah, she's, she don't fucking, she's not worried about him. Yeah. And that bothers him. Yeah. And so in the fucking hearing, I couldn't her. fucking believe it when he's like, do you believe in God? And to me, like I think, and I kind of, I was like just saying, asking her that he knows that she doesn't believe in God. So ask her in front of the hearing. And so like he believes that this is his chance, like get her out of the running. But to me, like I think that, I would want someone who doesn't believe in God going like because believing that there's something else. Like if you're believing that there's just one person like and I'm Were not you going to go be a missionary to a bunch of aliens. Who- <laughs> well, exactly. We got to spread. The, we promise to spread the word. We promised. Um, but like I just think that like and like I said, this is not disrespect to people who believe in Christianity. I'm just saying his reasoning of like I couldn't send, you know, 95 percent of the American public believe in God. Bullshit. And part of that's another thing in uh, in uh, Brief Candle in the Dark, the um, that sagan talks about is how those religious statistics are are not accurate because i was like 95 percent that's a lot uh and maybe that's just people lying because back then it was cliche there it was like harmful to be like, oh no i don't believe in god and once again like there was things that weren't brought to light there was you know like not you know contacting aliens to think like oh there is something else out there other than this one one creator but like I just think that like the the things that he's fighting for of like believing in God and believing in this bigger plan and it's like but at the same time you have all the selfish selfish self-interest of like someone who you think is self like who doesn't believe in God right. only is out for themselves and not out for better better the, him and kind he, or whatever. He doesn't he doesn't want her to believe in God. He doesn't care one if she really believes in God. And one if she had said yes to his question yes i believe in god you've converted me can i go on the mission now <laughs> he would have been like ah, but exactly but, but he knows that but she i would remember never when you told me that you didn't well, so still disqualified and so like in in doing that and then tom scarrett comes up and is like i believe that i will lead yeah. you know, and you're like okay mustache. for our one we, god oh god but i'm just saying matthew mcconaughey shows up in my fucking hotel room later that day I'm shooting him on sight. Get the fuck out of my sight. And she's like, you know, she doesn't even say like, I know you did what you have to do. She kind of was like indignant. Like, why would Get you do that? Out. And then she just turned and stared out the window until he left the room. Yeah. And then like sees him later, you know, meet me for lunch. I wasn't expecting it. What, what the fuck? Don't fucking talk to him anymore. And so then it even like really puts an a- twinge in my asshole whenever she saves the fucking compass. Like, Leave this man out of your life. He is no good. You like he like she gets on this uh, mission because fucking Gary Busey's son kills fucking Mustache. Yeah, and like for religious reasons, he's a Christian terrorist, exactly. which is another thing. A great thing Sagan puts in a Christian terrorist. But like that really <laughs> threw me off. Like the the amount of times they were showing him, and I was like thinking, oh god, he's gonna come don't. back. I said, please don't. Like, I don't need to see Gary Busey's big ass teeth. Um, but, like, I think the one thing that I was like, whenever she had the compass, it really pissed me off because it seemed out of character for her. Of, like, she made it seem like when she was leaving, um, you already said where she was. Wasn't Costa Rica? Puerto Rico? Yeah. When she was leaving Puerto Rico, she kind of was like, you know, this, I, it was great while it lasted, whatever. I got bigger and bi- bigger and better things to do and bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. And so, 
I liked that mentality of like, okay, she's not going to, you know, hold this candle for this call, man. She's this not going to call him, but right. she kept a memento of the conquest. I guess. But then this bitch takes it on her like lunar landing, whatever the fuck she's going to Vegas. She's got the, and like that was like five or six years ago, and it was the uh, Cracker Jack toy. Like McDonald's yeah. toys don't last fucking two months, dude. They're terrible. Like, there's it's just no a way. little plastic compass. And she bought a fucking necklace to put it on. What <laughs> she a might have loser, already had a dude. Chain. What a I just you know just comes crawling back to the men. It makes me sick. I'm just. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I. It then kind of started to to get my goat when they were like you know however many years it takes like that's not even the creating of the machine it's not like five years later it's like from the time she sees Joseph in Puerto Rico to like when this starts to pop up that's four years but then it's like they create the machine that they got the stuff for you know 1.3 billion dollars to build it then blows up but there just so happens to be another one that was made in secret yeah, in Japan. Well, remember they talked about the deal that the Japanese were not going to have anyone in the running to go on the mission as a way of getting more government contracts. And so, and you know, they showed the whole press conference with Japan and Clinton and everything. And so then you get read in by Jeff Bezos and on Mir in space. And he says, hey, you know, I number one lesson of government procurement. You know, why why build one when you can build two for twice the price? <sighs> and so that's what the deal was with Japan was so that they would build theirs in Japan, which is why they go to Japan to do that one because the Japanese built the second one. Well, it then makes you think like uh, they don't have like even back then they didn't have like force security. Like they didn't want to wand these people off before Gary Busey goes in there with fucking C4. Well, th- those, those, are, those are some of the things because... The, that's like the unintended consequences of creating, turning this into a mission of a religious crusade. When Congress turns it into a religious crusade mission and they have the Tom Scared out there like uh, saying how much this is for God and country and our values and all that stuff, then there is a lowered presence on any sort of activity that would be contrary to this mission because they're not looking at any of the christians that were all lined up outside of the new mexico desert and all of that all that type of thing if ellie had been the representative who has gone saying that yeah i mean i i don't believe in god there would have been a lot of dangerous threats against the program and her and all that from the from different Christian wings and though so they would have had a lot of amped up security and a lot more awareness of those threats I guess. so it it's it's like one of those a... like uh one of those cascading things of where you can when you embrace one thing you you create a blind spot to it right and it also it also brings up a, a great point of was Jay Leno ever funny Nope. <laughs> because I he, loved he was watching Jimmy Fallon the, before Jimmy Fallon. But Jimmy Fallon at least has some, you know, one out of five he'll hit. You know, like <laughs> Jay Leno, and they had a couple of ones where he was like, you know, what about these vegans? What if they're Cubs fans? They're just now getting, you know, like they're just yeah. now getting our uh, our Hitler, our Hitler, whatever. <laughs> like, I just thought, like, God, he really thought he like that wasn't real you know but like that was a joke he would have made Knocked had this out of the park dude you hear about this kev what if they like the cubs <laughs> i just just like good lord and then like adding rob Lowe in there was kind of weird excellent like 
as as young Lindsey Graham. And like, <laughs> was it just me or when they're in the the hearing where like Joss comes and surprises her? Um, he like sounds like he's got he's got a Chris Collinsworth like cough. Like if you go back and watch it, he definitely has something in his throat the whole time. <laughs> and I'm just like, was he not doing well? Like he only had one to two days to shoot his scenes, and like maybe maybe we were still getting uh, drugged up. Bravo. Oh, dude, hell yeah, he probably. <laughs> he I didn't was think on of a that. bender during the. He only had four hours of shoot time on that movie, but man, was he drunk for it. <laughs> Mr. Toilet Seat himself. Um. So I mean, like. With all of this, like not to not to skip over the part where she takes off and like goes to Vega or thinks she goes to Vega, you know, like she has this experience, um, you know, sees her dad. It's really weird to me that like these aliens, these creatures have like I don't know I start to think like they really think about like the little things like Pensacola and creating her dad and like wearing it was her picture. Shirt. It was the picture that she drew in the beginning. Turned I, I know. Into I'm just saying that, like, but that the aliens would be like, we need this to speak to her, and like, let's think of things like, and I guess they probably have unknown sources to be able to like read her mind and yeah, yeah. and think about what are her deepest, most darkest secrets, and like, I guess I always think of it from an aspect of like, if we had an alien coming here, what do we have to read their fucking minds? Probably like, probably think we have something, but like, no. the whole point about uh, extraterrestrial life is that like. Powers unknown. You if know, they're, if they're coming, if they're coming to us, they're going to be more advanced. We're going to lock them up. It's in not going to be like some weird, like Renaissance dudes from another planet <laughs> that just show up and they're like, uh, don't even know Meat. what guns are. Meat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Take it to your cave. If they're the ones that are able to beam the signal back to you, um, and then encode it with a bunch of plants. They're they're probably going to have more advanced I technologies. Guess. And so like, <laughs> and, but then that's kind of the shittiest part of like. Then she goes, she gets beamed back really quickly, and and the whole process of like, I'm thinking, okay, she's going to go, and she's going to only have aged four years, and it'll be fifty years. And like, I like how he's like, everyone you love and know will die. And to me, I'd be like, I don't love or know anyone, including you, um, Palmer. So like, send me off. Like, she's a perfect candidate. I'm sure Tom, like the one guy who's the uh, whose kids are like, don't go, Daddy. We said don't go. Yeah. How can how I could fight I, with that? How could I say no to those faces? <laughs> Easy. It's a chance of a fucking lifetime. Raising kids is a fucking beating. Just go, dude. But like, then she comes back. They have this like where they lock her in a fucking cage, and they're just like, "What happened when you were out there?" Well, and these are things that are like, um, like the cyanide pill thing. Yeah, I love that. So like, like, NASA came out and was like, "No, we've never done that." And Carl Sagan was like. I worked with you guys for decades. You guys definitely did this. <laughs> and I would want to know that they do that because of the undeniable suffering that like, once again, people who are creating these machines have no idea what it's like up there. They're they're looking at it from a completely like mechanical standpoint and not like, you know, I, I know that they probably think about what the people are going through up there, but like the shit that it could do to your mind and like, I don't fucking know, like give them that option like i'm not nobody is like saying nasa's bad like nasa you're bad for other reasons but uh <laughs> but i just think like being like uh i just is it the cyanide pill that you just like crack in your mouth yeah dude that's fucking tight <laughs> i like i i dig that uh I, but you know to i'm about to sneeze 
to circle back to once again Matthew McConaughey's character being an utter piece of shit after she goes through this life-altering experience and TC's favorite line is and he says it all the time like they should have they should have got a poet they should have brought a poet Um, just because it's so beautiful and like how like it is I just I don't know like I really I really loved that part where she's watching it because her face you can tell she like is overcome of like it's beautiful and she's like I'm a fucking idiot I'm just saying this beautiful but it's like you know mm-hmm. a galaxy it's like it's more than like you cannot put it into words and that's why yeah. she says it, you know a poet should have come well so like she comes down has this life-altering experience and I think if anything like not that she is closer to believing in God but she's closer to believing that it's possible that you know there's anything like that that you know even without scientific proof that she doesn't have because you know the uh her recorder didn't record anything but she knows what she has in her mind Mm -hmm. that's kind of what uh Joss was saying of like it's something that you have in your heart it's something that you know that you are certain of that you like you can try to convince other people, but um, but like not necessary. Like it's it's within your true belief. But then this motherfucker decides to leak to James Woods about Occam's fucking razor, yeah. and like at, especially after he did the whole Occam's razor sounds like a horror movie. Like you have the balls to like, and then after this whole fucking thing, she I, goes I got up her, and hugs I got him. her with this rhetorical trick, and that 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 is the one of the bullshit things that I wonder if. If Sagan doesn't die, you know, before four months before the movie is finished, if uh, some of these choices get made, but um, like the Occam's Razor conversation, he thinks he gets her by saying, "So, you know, you loved your dad, right?" Because this is, I know Proof this is, a, I know this is a weak spot for you, your dad. I, so I go right fucking, for it. I'm yeah, going right for it. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> so, so you loved your dad, right? I mean. It seems like you've always been telling me how much you loved your dad. Oh, the one time we fucked? <laughs> and you picked up my picture without consent? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, prove it. Uh, Mr. Josh, gotcha. we need you in here. Yeah, and, and then like saved by the bell. <laughs> oh, crap, we've got, we, we're getting more. Wait, uh, I want to circle back to more this? about the transmission. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's like, okay, fine, I can't. I, I guess you got me with that rhetorical trick of phrase. I can't come back with, wait a second. We could easily prove that I loved my dad. I mean, you could easily prove lots of uh, social, uh, emotional type of things. That's what there's are sciences that are completely dedicated to this. Well, and I think that's the whole that's the whole crux of it is that he is he advocating thinks- for someone that he doesn't know. Yeah, for God that he's never seen, like. To then try to compare that to someone who raised you. And, like, I get that, like, you know, maybe you're raised in the church. Maybe God is, like, is talking to you. But, like, you're then treating that with less, uh, like, I can't even think of the word, um, like, less seriousness because you're so hardcore in your beliefs and, like, you think it's stupid that she doesn't believe this, that you're then going to try to tear down the one thing that she does believe in. Yeah. And it's, like, that's what I think a lot. If you is, don't believe in God, you didn't love your dad. Exactly. That's, what all, that's exactly. all I'm saying. That's if that's my point. If you can't believe that some guy <laughs> came here and killed your dad in front of you, like, and that's my thing is that, like, to me, if I were jo- Joss or whatever, like, and I was, this this is where, like, we would differ, you know, intelligent human beings. I get that, like, people think he's intelligent, but I think he's actually kind of a dumbass. No, he's dumb. Yeah, he's a self-important dumbass. But, like, to think, like, that those two could even be compared. And then, like I said, to sit there and be preaching about, like, 
you can't let what other people think affect what you think. I Just because you're telling me God doesn't exist, I still think God exists. So I'm sitting here trying to tell you that everything you believe in is less than and like you should be believing in God like you're that's the I think that's the the Christian portrayal or like the message that they're trying to deliver is Mm -hmm. always to say like but no you're still wrong about this instead of just being like I get that the whole message is like to spread the gospel and to like get people to to come on the other side but it's like hello like a multi-level marketing scheme dude like you're trying to get everyone to join your crew how about you just let people come to the decision themselves and like that's kind of what I've always said and like my mom has always kind of thought I was weird in saying that, but I'm like, what the fuck do you care if I don't believe in God? I'm going to hell. Like you're fine, and no. it's it's that you can't like. And my mom like, but big you, you but you believe when you were a kid, so I know you're going to heaven. You made me go to those fucking classes. I didn't get baptized <laughs> till I was fucking 15 years old. That means you're going. You can't undo it. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. No, but like my mom's Contract not even that religious, sign. but I think it, I think you're it always. You're going to go heaven kicking and screaming. She would never like go to church regularly, but like I think was very concerned that I was like, but what does it matter if someone doesn't believe to you? If you believe, then that's all, you know, like, like that's kind of what I'm saying about Joss is like, if you believe, then you be the person that can say that. But like spending your time on other people that are like not giving you what you need, whether it's Christianity, whether it's like toxic energy, you know, whatever it is, like sometimes you have to let that go and like still carry the message within you, but not be a fucking dick about it. Right. And like the whole time, every single thing that he does is not centered towards his belief in Christianity or his belief in like, doing something good for her because it's going to save her soul. It's going to give him someone to fuck at night or to have in his life that brings right. him happiness. It's nothing that's centered around like this, this bigger message, this bigger purpose. And so and like, he's willing to call her a hypocrite for saying, basically saying you didn't really love your father. Cause you're telling me you don't believe in God. Well, And then in the <laughs> end when they walk out and he's just like, I for one believer. Oh, okay. Believe women. Exactly. <laughs> Hold my hand. Hold my hand. Time's out. I was like, do not grab his fucking hand. <laughs> I was like, you know, punch him in the fucking dick and then have the car take off. <laughs> Leave him there with the whole fucking press there. Like, I don't know. It just I, infuriated I me. faith in her. <laughs> and then he just puts his little scarf over his shoulder. Victory <laughs> for Christianity again. And no, never and mind that's... Gary Busey's son. Never mind him. That wasn't, he wasn't one of us. That And that's, that's the other thing is the, like... The interrogation in the congressional hearing is an experience where she's giving a, she's trying to give a, a, as technical as possible explanation of what she experienced. And all she's getting is a cop interrogation coming back the other way, basically saying, why would you even say that? I can show you right here. There's no evidence. We've got no fucking evidence. And then uh, when James Woods brings up the Occam's razor thing, it's a total misuse of the rhetorical argument because he says he's just, whatever's the most uh, uh, simplest answer is probably the most rational, the one that probably happens. Oh, then he says, don't you think it's a much simpler explanation that there was a giant conspiracy by a space lord, Jeff Bezos, who created a bunch of artificial satellites to give you a false signal that then we all followed as a government for years, built trillions of dollars worth of equipment, and he died just as a gotcha prank? Don't you think that's much more likely than we built the machines that the aliens sent us and it worked? Don't you think? 
the no. massive conspiracy theory is the Occam's razor side of this argument. Well, and, and then just saying that and then her being like, you know, I guess it's possible that you know, anything's possible. Like she has never said that that like it's possible or impossible to do this. Like yeah. you guys are the one begging for her to, to give you proof one way or the other. And now that she's giving you the proof, it's not like as validated as you wanted, which in fact it is at the end where, you know, like Angela Bassett's talking to him being like, well, I'm concerned that there's 18 hours of this footage. And I'm thinking James is like, ah, yeah, whatever. Got it. I guess guess we'll get her a grant. Fucking own that lib. And then she gets to teach the fucking uh, Billy Madison field trip about like, (laughs) don't you think this is great? Don't you think these satellites are great? I love them. And it's like, you know, I'm glad that they're not like then showing fucking Matthew McConaughey like dusting off the satellites being like, we're working this together. Yeah. We stayed together. They they built they built a a church inside of the the array of satellite dishes. When you guys are done with your sack lunches, come over here to the to to chapel. The, the blind guy walks out, but now he can see because Matthew McConaughey Dude, like prayed yeah. for him. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, the, there's there's some definite weird uh, decisions as as to how the movie ends out and things like that. I wonder if they would have been done the same if, if Sagan had survived all the way till the end of the making of the movie. Um, but, you know, he didn't, so... <laughs> But God decided <clears throat> he needed another angel. But still, like the, um, like this movie is in a, in a lot of ways kind of like Arrival, um, where Arrival like cribs a bunch of things from this movie, or of trying to get like a perspective that is more rooted in what would a realistic response from the world be, right. and you know like how the the xenophobic idea that America would think all these American politicians would think, oh yeah, well, they were just sending this Amer- this message to America, right? We're in charge of it. And Ellie's like, yeah, you don't think that there's more people on this planet than just us, and this probably belongs to the whole world, not just the United States. No, but we're going to take care of this. No, don't no, you, you understand. It's it's kind of our message. Uh, yeah, doesn't, we're not gonna for anybody else. We're going to use our tools, else. not have anyone else help us. Uh, we're going to have to militarize this. I uh, Military is gonna like, have to keep this top secret. Everyone's got such a hard on for like we need to military. <laughs> Get over it, dude. What if they? What if they're just sending a self-destruct thing that's gonna blow up the planet? Good, we fucking deserve it. <laughs> Let us die, dude. Just take us out of our misery. It's like what a prank. What a, what a prank. Just, well, that's God's just, will, dude. We're gonna prank call in another another planet and make them blow themselves up. You're gonna Sick let these prank. vegans take us out? That's well, God, dude. Ask him. Oh uh, yeah, so so there's lots of there's lots of stuff like that. That is, uh, I think it was maybe too uh, subtle for the time, or uh, but this is a very um, you know progressive look at the way a critique of the way that the the government handles uh, inquiries and investigations and science and uh, by coddling uh, a bunch of uh, religious-based extremism inside the halls of government that they uh, skew an argument as if there is 
both sides to it as if science has only 50% validity and religion has 50% validity. So there's some sort of equivalency there that needs to be heard. Um, And it's interesting, like, I could see how this movie would have totally flopped because it came out in the big prime of the huge conservative backlash to the Clinton presidency, the Rush Limbaugh, you know, hardcore every day on the radio waging war on uh, the degradations of American culture and trying to uplift uh, nationalism in those stages. And But it was it was a box office hit. It like re- re- it did really well with people. People didn't freak out and thinking that it was some sort of subversive uh, anti-government yeah. conspiracy or anti-religion. It's gonna like turn my children against religion, which as a 15 year old who saw it, it kind of did. Yeah, but- <laughs> no, you're like I was right, dude. These fucking people, they got it all wrong. No, so I'll give it a. I liked it. Okay. Okay. You good with that? Just one, one you liked it. One I liked it, you know. And two, gonna, I hated Matthew McConaughey in it. <laughs> you gotta have, you gotta have villains and heroes, you know. Yeah, I, I do like that. It's like an unsuspecting villain. Like you think you'll hate Tom Skerritt, but like you just are used to men being like that. But like the fact that Matthew McConaughey didn't see himself as a villain in this is what's extra rich about it. Right, right. He's that perfect guy who uses charisma and charm to do the, like the most subversive harmful things and gets away with it better than the guys who are just fucking out and out like asshole right exactly she still gets in the car with them case in point oh well great job megan yes thanks good podcast i'm glad we remembered how to do this yeah let's hope that it recorded look at that it's still recording that's awesome i i've done it before where it's gone off screen like that and it didn't i did that with ty one time lost a whole fucking episode uh-huh uh-huh and we just had some great gyms in here you know and so you, he just had to stay over for another few hours and re-record it all right let's just cut it there thank you <laughs>